Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So, a couple of big basketball games to look forward to last night, and then one of them didn't happen. I don't know. Big basketball games. Interesting basketball games. I was looking forward to BYU and San Diego. I mean, I know it's San Diego, and I know they're no good, but the way BYU's been struggling, I was really, really interested to see how they're going to handle this game. You think they ought to go in there and win comfortably and dominate, but that's not what they'd been doing. And then the game got called off, so we don't know how it would have played out. Who the heck knows? I don't know. In the words of Bill Belichick, on to Portland. (laughs) Portland, Thursday night, 5 o'clock. That game will be on KJS, assuming it's played. So that left us with the Utah Jazz to focus on. And the Jazz play in Detroit, and, you know, were they going to come out after uh, the loss in Denver really focused and or were they going to come out kind of in some kind of fog? How was that going to work? And it turned out they had a great start. thought they had a lot of energy, played some defense, got some stops. It helps that the Pistons don't shoot the ball real well. Certainly didn't shoot it well uh, early in that game. Um, But it wasn't just them missing open shots. There were some good rotations and steals. There's one play early in the game particularly, I remember, where Gobert went to help and Royce O'Neal, who was defending uh, in the corner, slid inside of, uh, just knifed inside of, I can't remember who Gobert, probably was Plumlee, I guess. I'm not sure. Um, but Gobert's man, whoever it was, there was somebody going to the rim, and he just knifed right in there and just stole it. They never saw him coming. Great rotation. And they got a break going the other way. And they made threes, and Donovan was hot early, and Mike Conley was hot early, and it was great. They were up by 11 after a quarter. Really felt like it could have been more, too. And they are up by 23 at the half. Felt like it could have been more. But how do you complain about a 23-point halftime lead? You know, you're on the way to win it by 46 theoretically, as Quinn Snyder pointed out, yeah, it looks like you're going to do it, but that's never how it works in the NBA. You know the other team's going to make a run, and man, the energy was different after halftime. Man, the the Pistons were clearly pissed. Blake Griffin had torn his jersey off like he was the Incredible Hulk or something. Oh, it it led to a classic exchange if you're watching on TV. I don't know what Locke said about it. I don't know if he saw it. Um, But Bowler and... uh, Bowler and Thurl are talking about it, and Bowler's like, yeah, they travel with extra jerseys, so he's good. Thurl's like, yeah, but back in the day, you'd wear a T-shirt with your name written on it. <laughs> I don't remember seeing that, but that's just a hilarious thought. I hope there's video of someone out there that someone can post on social media. Some player in the 80s or, I don't know, maybe something Thurl saw when he was a kid or heard about in the 70s, whatever. I want to see that. That would be great if Blake had just been out there with his stuff written on. But whatever, it just kind of symbolic of the energy Detroit came out and played with. And you knew that they should make a run. That's the way it, you, you shouldn't just roll over. you got to have some pride. you got to make a run. The other team inevitably is going to lose the edge. And so it got down to 20. It got down to 15. I didn't think much about it. When it dipped under 15, I was like, you know, they're probably fine because the Jazz are way better. But it went to 10. It kept getting man at ten. They had my attention. Single digits. It got down to got down to four. And Detroit had the ball. They're in the final two or three minutes, and they had the ball, and they had a three to cut it to a one point game. I think it was like a minute and a half left or something like that. And they missed, and the Jazz went down, and uh, it was a two on two. And uh, Conley found Bogdanovich, and he had a three, and they got another stop, and and Bogey hit another three, and that was it. The lead went back to ten, and. The Jazz won, and so, uh, but that leads to a wide range of emotion. You can just see, you know, everything on Twitter from uh, they won, no one will care in May, to uh, my heart stopped, I thought they were going to blow it, what is wrong with this team? 
So that's all out there. And I think, um, you know, with what's ultimately a 12-point win, and ultimately the comment no one's going to remember in May, that's true. I mean, that's the bottom line. You either win or you lose. And at the end, you look at the record, and you remember a handful of really good wins, and you remember a handful of losses. We should have won that game. We should have won this game, you know, that overtime game. But, man, you really remember more than half a dozen games. I mean, don't they all run together after a while? Um, So it is a win. And I think then... When you look more at uh, this game versus the Denver game, you know I don't think you should be any more despondent about a 28-point lead going down to four and then back up to 12 than you are thrilled about a 28-point lead, a deficit in Denver, getting cut to an eight-point deficit and then ultimately going back to 11. Uh, you know, did you feel that good about the run the Jazz made, a run they should have made in Denver? Why would you feel better about one and worse about the other? They're pretty much the same thing you know I, I think if anything the kind of silver lining to this is that the Jazz after the loss in Denver I thought they had an edge I thought it was because of that I didn't know if they'd want to say it was because of that I asked Donovan that and you'll hear it in the post game coming up he's like yeah it was because of Denver <laughs> absolutely and uh, you know reestablish yourself play well you didn't play well um and I think because they kind of you know <laughs> It's, there's nothing wrong with giving up the run. But the run was too big. I mean, if you're being honest, that run was too big. And I know we love the Jazz. We don't want to say anything about them. If 28 gets cut to 15, nobody even talks about it. That's normal. Now, when it gets cut to 10, down to 5, down to 4, and they got the ball to get to 1, that's too much. You can't let them get that close. You never want to let a team get close enough where they can get lucky and beat you. Where they can, you know, bank into three, get a bad call, get a bad no call. <clears throat> you got to be able to weather that kind of stuff. The lucky hoop, the ball that hops on the rim twice and goes in. You know, you got to be able to weather that. And so, okay, make sure you have an eight or ten point lead, and then you weather it. So the Jazz, you know, they 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 played with fire, but they got the win. But I suspect that helps them keep the edge. Um, you know, you need to find anything you can in the long grind of a season to motivate you. That's why Jordan made stuff up about opposing players. So if you find something to say in half, like, oh, we got to be better, we got to, you know, just anything to focus on to get yourself focused going into that game in Atlanta. And you're scheduled to play three games in four days. It's COVID year. Who knows if you will? But that's what the schedule now is. It's a real quick trip to Atlanta, Charlotte, and Indiana. And we'll see when we get there if they can play all those games. But this is something to hang their hat on. And they got the win. All right, DJ and PK, more basketball coming up. We're going to talk with Steve Cleveland next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Dirt, dust, dander, and allergens are no match for Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. Want the contaminants gone? Call Zero Res. Right now, just $25 per room. Minimums apply. Search Zero Res Carpet Cleaning online to schedule your appointment or call them at 801-288-9376. DJ PK and Matt Harpering joining us now. You see him on the Jazz TV broadcast. Matt, good morning. Good morning, guys. What's going on? Well, question of the morning. The Jazz, right. a really good team, or a legit championship contender. 
And if they are a championship contender, how many, well, regardless of whether you think they are or not, how many championship contenders are there? How long is the list? What do you think? Uh, Well, yeah, in my opinion, um, I think the Jazz are contenders. Um, I don't think there's a lot on that list. Um, But what reason, I'm going to throw this back to you, is there a reason why you wouldn't, based on the, the information that we have so far in the first, was it, 21 games, I mean, they beat a lot of good teams. Yeah, they've had some tough losses. But the way they play uh, with the three-point shot and the shooting they can have, as well as the defense, uh, pretty good and pretty good information and data to say that, they, yeah, they, they can beat anyone in this league, in my opinion, um, by doing those, those two things right there. I mean, when you're top five offense and top five defense, you're going to give yourself a chance. I guess since you throw it out there, and I agree with you, but since you asked the question, I have to answer it, that the league is based on some superstars, and the superstars are the ones that usually win the title. And, you know, Mitchell, I believe, is an emerging superstar, but at the same time, he doesn't fit the prototype, meaning he's a little on the short side. If he's 6'6", 6'7", a la LeBron and Kawhi Leonard or whoever else you want to put in there. Kevin Durant, I guess you could put him in that category also. That if your leader is that small, that it's hard to do. That would be one of my responses. Yeah, I, I don't know if I believe wholeheartedly in that. Uh, you know, I go back with the data and the numbers. I mean, Diamond's putting up great numbers, right? Now, the one thing I'll give you, it's unproven because they have not proven it in a – you know, let's say a Western Conference Finals or an NBA Finals where, you know, let's, let's face it, that's where superstars are made. Um, you know, what else does Donovan need to do uh, really to, to prove it? He's only 24. I mean, he's, he's a young player. He's getting better. Um, Gobert is a superstar in his own right on the defensive end. Um, but a lot of times, you know, a depth of a team, the way they play, uh, I, I think changes how you view Utah, right? And, and yeah, you say, well, they don't have a, a Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James, but you know, collectively, they're they're pretty good. And so when you say, you know, heading into the playoffs, would you rather nine deep or would you rather two deep uh, with some some role players? Um, that's going to be interesting this year because you're right. I, I would say in a game, especially in the late playoff game, in the last two minutes, um, that superstar is a superstar because he can make plays. He can, he can make shots, and you're going to have to have that for sure. But I think Donovan's proven that over time. But if you put him in the right situation, he's pretty darn good too. I guess when uh, when I hear people say the Jazz aren't a championship contender, I think they probably fall into a few groups. Um, I think uh, I, I think they are. I think there's uh, clearly three to five teams that you could label championship contenders. But I think if people exclude the Jazz from their group, then there's a couple groups they fall into. One, uh, they don't watch much Jazz basketball. They live on the other side of the country. and like, of course not those guys. Uh, I think there's another group that says, it's the Lakers. Everybody else else is kidding themselves. The Lakers are going to do this. I think there's a group of people that believe that. Uh, they think the Lakers are going back-to-back, and that's it. I think there's another group of people that says, well, the Lakers are clearly the favorite, but if they, they have two guys to count on, and if they have an injury to either one of them, then the pool of potential champions widens to include the Clippers and whoever comes out of the East. We've seen that. If you come out of the East and the whoever the best team is in the West has an injury, then you're set up. Certainly, LeBron's capitalized on that, um, and so did Kawhi Leonard when he was in Toronto. Uh, but they don't widen it to include the the Jazz or 
the Nuggets. Uh, I think the other thing the Jazz have going against them is they don't have a lot of playoff experience. Teams that win it have usually uh, gone along a path like the Nuggets, where, okay, they're in the second round, they lose in a game seven. The next year, they're in a conference final. Okay, They're, they're kind of building up to it. They're, there's not a lot of deep playoff experience on this Jazz team, and I think that's another, probably another group would dismiss the Jazz for that. Well, agreed. I mean, the, the experience is, is definitely an issue, um, but I, I would argue that you know, if, if an injury happened to the Jazz, if Gobert goes down, uh, that diminishes their contending um, influences right away, right? I mean, it, that's every team. I, I think if an injury happens to any of the top ten teams, uh, that dramatically affects whether they're going to be able to produce, you know, late in, in the playoffs. Um, I don't think the Jazz are immune to that by any means, even though they're they're deep. Um, but on the other side, you know, if you if you look at you know, LeBron and AD and the Lakers. Yeah, they are favorites. They're a really good team. Uh, they won it last year. So why would you not put them on the top? You're supposed to. Um, and uh, do they have a better team than the Jazz? I don't know. They haven't played yet. But I, I think they, they definitely have not. Um, matchups become the issue in the playoffs, right? And, and how do the teams match up with each other? And you're going to see that throughout, I think, as we always have seen in the playoffs, where you know, Lakers might have a better team, but there might be a matchup issue that they just don't play well against. And, you know, you, you never know what happens through, you know, one through eight in the seating. And, you know, to me, the, the playoffs becomes who do the Jazz match up best against uh, rather than who is the better team overall. I think, collectively speaking, the NBA has the best set of athletes of any of the sports in the world. And with these six six guys who can run, jump, and do all these incredible things. But my thought for you, the way the game is now, as far as the premium on shooting, particularly from behind the line, how much do you value that raw, pure athleticism versus the ability to shoot? The Jazz may not have that raw athletic ability, one through eight or nine, but they've got six, seven, eight guys who can shoot. And they also have a brilliant coach, right? So you have a great coach that puts their players in, in positions to succeed and play to their advantage. Uh, that certainly helps. Um, yeah, athleticism is great, but you got to have both. I mean, I've seen a lot of athletes come and go that couldn't shoot, and they're, they're in and out of the NBA within a year uh, or two years. Um, athleticism will, will certainly put you on the map, but it won't—it's not—it won't sustain you in the NBA. You got to have a skill set, and you know, shooting right now. It is tough. If you can't shoot that three, I mean, you know, look at Zion. Zion's a, one of the best athletes we've seen in a, in a generation. And I think he's made one three, and that was against the Jazz, or, you know, maybe a couple. But, I mean, he's going to have to develop that if he's going to become the star that everyone thinks he's going to become. Athleticism, athleticism gets you to the table. Uh, but then you got to produce. I mean, LeBron James right now, what's remarkable about him, he's becoming a better shooter. Um and his athleticism is still really good, not to where it was 10 years ago, but his shooting has gotten a lot better. So he's, he's kind of transitioned more to a better standstill shooter, a better uh, three-point shooter. He's kind of transitioned his game to where, uh, where it was prior. You know, we saw that with Jason Kidd later in his career. Uh, eventually, these five men, you know, and Gobert's going to be different, and that's the, the rebuke I always get. Well, what about Gobert? He's not going to be able to shoot threes. No, but there's only a one Gobert out there. He's, he's the best defensive center in the NBA. Um, if he wasn't, there would be an issue there and because that's the way teams are going. You look at Joel Embiid with the Sixers. He, he's a three-point shooter. Now, the, the argument there is would you rather him take a three or would you rather him post up if you're the opposing team? Um, 
because he is so gifted down low on the box. Uh, Jokic, the Jazz just saw him the other night. I mean, what a phenomenal example of where the NBA is going and what players they're looking for. Um, you know, tall kids, six seven and higher, six six and higher that can shoot and spread the court, um, that have a skill set. You know, you're going to be looked at many, many times if you got it. Matt Harper and join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We were talking about Royce O'Neal. Uh, he's shooting 40, almost 47% from three. It really is remarkable. He's also only taken five shots a game and only four three-pointers. Now, there is that whole thing of diminishing returns. Maybe he's shooting 47% because he's being really selective. But his role has been expanding here for years. Do you see a bigger role for him going forward? Is this a guy who should be looking at taking six or eight threes a game the way Bogey Mitchell and Clarkson and Conley do? Uh, in my opinion, uh, I think it's within the offense. I, I don't think he's going to be a guy like Bogey where he's going to create a shot, you're going to give him the ball, and he's going to handle the pick and roll. I think Scott and reports say, you know, who, if anyone, if we had to leave someone open, who is it going to be? And I think they, they kind of choose Royce more than not, and he gets the benefit of getting some open shots. On the other side of that, he's becoming a, a tremendous three-point shooter, and that's his role. And if he keeps doing that, I mean, he's going to get – a lot more accolades as he goes along here, but the shots will come because it becomes, you know, four to five and then becomes six to seven. I don't think you're all of a sudden going to want Royce O'Neal taking 13 shots um, because then I think it's, it's, that's not within what the jazz are trying to do. So I think within his role right now, whereas defensively he's going to go try to stop the best offensive player in the opposing team. And then, you know, offensively, He's going to knock down the catch and shoot. And, you know, we've seen time and time again where he's a good decision maker. And I've seen him this year with handling the basketball and not just not spotting up the shooting, but able to take it off the dribble a little bit and get into the paint and then making the pass out. So I think there is an evolution there. Um, he's gotten better. I think the Jazz found it. It's just a tremendous piece to this team, a huge piece going forward. Um, but I guess the answer to your question, I don't think you go from five or six shots all of a sudden saying, well, if I take 16 shots a game, I'm going to average this because – there's a comfortability factor, too, as players kind of know their role. Like, I knew what I was going to do when I went into a game. If I started taking, you know, 20 shots a game, it just becomes not what I'm used to. And you're just not as comfortable in that role, if that makes sense. So when you look at this team, I think everyone will agree they're better than they were last year. And it's interesting because it's basically the same guys. I mean, yeah, Favors is the one new addition, but obviously he was with the franchise for many, many years. So as I try to boil it down, and there's various, there's several reasons as there usually are, but to me... The most important difference I see is the comfortability factor of Mike Conley that he didn't have this year that he got as or didn't have last year, I should say, but he got better at it as the season went on. And then this year, picking up where he left off in terms of playing and not thinking about it, just going out and doing what he can do and fitting in. So he's not really worried about where I fit. I know where I fit. So if I look at it and boil it down to one single difference, I believe it's the play of Mike Conley. Could you respond to that? Yeah, so I I agree with you, and I I think there's a part two to that. Um, I I think Conley for sure, and I think we saw it in the bubble last year where – he's just started getting more comfortable and I think he started accepting responsibility, started understanding the team and his role. And, um, I, I think you're seeing that this year. We mentioned on the broadcast in the Denver game, you know, I, I feel like if you're going to start talking about all stars, you got to throw Conley 
into the mix. Uh, he certainly played like it this year. At the time, the Jazz had the best record in the NBA, and if they continue to be up there or happen to have the best time, the best record, then you, you know, my argument argument would be there should be three Jazz men. Um, part two, what I would say would be Bogey. You know, Bogey was not in the bubble last year, so I think there's an addition to that. And the Jazz are one shot away from beating Denver in the seven-game series. So, in my opinion there, I think if Jazz have bogey in the playoffs, in the bubble, I think you have a different outcome. Uh, and then who knows what happens going on through the playoffs. But I think you're almost getting, you know, in a sense, a free agent back and in, in bogey this year and add a weapon that they did not have in the bubble. So, I think with the renewed Conley um, – and then bogey back, they kind of do have a different team in a way, but yet the same. Matt Harbin joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. So for all the things that have gone right, and a lot of things have gone right this year, uh, you're never playing perfect basketball. What, what do you think they need to improve? You know, I, I think they just need to keep kind of avoiding the, the – I hate to say this because I'm part of it – the media. I mean, just, <laughs> just kind of put it on the back burner and, 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 and let it be noise. Because as they, as they get higher in the ranks here, you're going to get a lot of naysayers. You're going to get a lot more people talking about you. And, um, and I think that could be obviously poison to a team if you let it get into the locker room. And I think they need to just avoid it. I think they just need to keep doing what they're doing. You know, they, they had a tough loss against Denver. Or Denver uh, Denver played really well. You know, that's going to happen through a long season. Um, I, the Jazz are playing really good basketball right now. In, in fact, they're, they're playing a level of basketball that's, you know, A, fun to watch. I think it is sustainable because uh, they have such great shooting, and they're playing unselfish. Uh, defensively, I, they can be a really good defensive team. Against Denver, I thought, you know, it got exposed a little bit just because – uh, they shot the ball, ball so well. But it also, I think they learned that if you come out in the first half and you don't play, um, you know, with the, the thought of, hey, I'm not going to let anything be wide open. Uh, I'm going to play with a little bit of an edge. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to have short closeouts. Um, and I think you saw that in the second half where, you know, it's, it's, everything's still a learning curve. So you, you learn from the game and say, we got to play 48 minutes, you know. And, and But as far as who they are and what they're going to do, I, I think they just keep – doing what they're doing. I think they get better at their sets. They, they get better at the recognition. Their reads are, are really good this year. And they tune out the outside. Okay, with that tuning out on the outside stuff, you were there for many, many years, so you could speak to it as far as motivational ploys because a couple of weeks ago, led by Shaq, the TNT guys basically say you're not good enough. So how much do you let that use it to be used to your advantage, or is that crap just noise and still block it all out? Yeah, I would go with the noise factor. You know, I, I did not appreciate that uh, coming from TNT, coming from Shaq. I, I thought it was ill-advised. Um, you know, I, I just thought, you know, what was Shaq, 28, 29, when he first won a championship, and he's getting on Donovan at 24, um, plus coming off a game where he had 36. Uh, you know, it was just – I thought it was a low blow a little bit. A, l- a little bit, And, you know, I think Donovan handled it perfectly. Uh, you know, in, in the Jazz got to be proud of, of the character of this team. You know, from since that has happened, you're not hearing uh, anything out of social or anything really uh, in, in bad terms on the Jazz side of things. So I think they're handling it. I think uh, they have a great locker room. I think they have some good leadership in that, in that locker room. And, you know, again, noise is going to be noise. And 
and I, I agree, is, is, is when you get people talking about you and you have the best record in the NBA and people look at you a little bit differently than a four or five seed, and they say, well, can the Jazz handle this? They're going to pick you apart a little bit more. They're going to critique you and the national media will. And that's what I mean by noise. You, you just got to because it's going to come down to if you're in the locker room, they're going to eventually get to you and they're going to pick apart your game. And what you can't let happen is force you to get outside of your game. You, you're good on a team because of your role. And if you started getting out of that role, if Gobert starts taking, you know, five 15-foot shots a game because people are saying he can't shoot, that's going to affect the Jazz in a negative way. Uh, people just got to keep trusting uh, Coach Snyder, the system, and playing. And, you know, the wins are starting to rack up here. And that's an, in the end, that's what speaks for itself. You know, the talent on the court doesn't change, with a few exceptions, with positive tests. But everything around the game has changed, right? The fans, the travel, they can't leave their room. Jo- we had Joe Ingles on, and I asked him, can you even on the road go and get shots up? If you just need half an hour in a gym, how much flexibility is there? And he's like, there are so many rules. You probably could, but it would be it would take a lot of effort. And so I'm just wondering yeah. if you're viewing this season like every other season because they're still the best basketball players in the world on the court, or if all this other stuff, this is really a weird one-off, and we shouldn't compare it to anything else that NBA players have gone through in any other season, and it could produce a different result. Yeah, I mean, I have never been in a situation like this. I've never played without fans. I I know that just in that is is tough. Um, But on the other side, you know, everyone's in it. There's not a team that's not affected by it. So, you know, I go back to Jerry Sloan and <laughs> and kind of how he coached. And listen, everyone's involved in the same thing. So let's not make excuses on, on why we didn't shoot well or why this is not great. It is what it is. It's the pandemic. Uh, we understand. And it's not great on anyone. I mean, this has affected every single one of us in a, in a, in a bad way. Uh, so you try to make good of a bad situation. And I think um, for right now, having basketball – the way it is, it's not perfect, but at least you're seeing a product and at least, you know, the Jazz are out there playing. Um, I, I, that's always a good thing. Matt, as always, great to have you on, and we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on with us. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. When we come back, the best of the Jazz post game show. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for the best of the jazz postgame show as they build an enormous halftime lead, squander most of it, and then make sure they win in the final 90 seconds. That's how it worked. Jazz win 117-105, and here's Jake to wrap it up. George Jazz recap here on DJ and PK, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. The Jazz beat the Detroit Pistons last night here at Vivint Arena, 117-105. It's a game where the Jazz led by as many as 28 points, but then got as close as four points in the fourth quarter before Boyan Bogdanovich hit a couple of threes to ice it. 
and the Jazz go on to win by 12. Donovan Mitchell led the way with 32 points tonight. Uh, Mike Conley had 20, uh, last night, excuse me, on uh, 10 of 17 shooting. Uh, Mike Conley had 20 points. Boyan Bogdanovich had 18. Royce O'Neal with a double double, uh, 12 points and 13 rebounds. This is the first game this year. Rudy hasn't led the team in rebounding. Jordan Clarkson had 12 points uh, coming in off the bench. Detroit was definitely better in the second half. Jeremy Grant got going. He finished the game with 27, uh, but the Jazz hold off the Pistons to get the victory. Let's get some post-game sound for you. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. I'm going to start with Chris and Kenny, Jazz TV. Coach Detroit came out much more aggressive there in that second half. What do you take away from how you guys were tested tonight and the way you responded? You know, I said it before the game. They're a good team. You know, they've played – you know, the most difficult schedule in the league, I think, or, or right there. And they've had a lot of close games. And, you know, we've, we really came out strong, you know, in, in the first quarter, especially in, in, in the first half. And when you do build a lead like that, um, the other team, you know, get, gets a little looser. They shoot the ball a little freer. And that's when you have to really continue to execute and continue to put your foot on the gas. And I thought the way that we finished the game, um, you know, we really we got going again. We got running again. And it's a little counterintuitive when the game gets tight. Sometimes you want to, you know, try to manage the game. And we need to continue to, you know, to try to run and play. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Yeah, Quinn, that's actually what I wanted to ask you about. It seemed like the game kind of started going against you when the offense got a little stagnant and and the transition and the fast break opportunities uh, dried up. What did you say to the team to kind of let them know that that was, you know, what you needed them to do to, to get going again? Yeah, I, you know, I think they knew. I think we all knew. Um, you know, sometimes we're, when you build a big lead like that, the, the whole kind of narrative becomes like what happened because you didn't win by 30. And, you know, th- these are NBA teams. They're good teams. There's going to be runs, you know, and I think the big thing for us is to, you know, to make that hard. You know, like I said, when you when you get ahead, you know, the other team, you know, they just put their head down and start attacking you. Um, so I, I think we started actually rebounding better in the second half. That's really um, what hurt us in the first half. Um, but, you know, like I said, that uh, we, we got stops late, which I think is the big thing, you know, where we, you know, really focused and, and raised our level defensively. And then we were able to get some, some good looks, you know, Boyan got a couple, but we, we had, a, we had a number of really good, good looks, you know, in the fourth quarter that didn't go in, you know, that would have stretched the game further. And, and when those shots don't go in, you just have to keep, keep working. And, and really that's when your defense becomes even more important, especially late in the game. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Quinn, you talked a couple of games ago about the value of learning how to play with the lead. Is there value in games like this too, where that lead does go away? You haven't had one slip from 28 to four like this yet. Well, you know, it got back up to whatever the final was. So that that's there's going to be runs, and I think the answer is yes. Um, but as I said, you know, I, I think sometimes, you know, the expectation is that you know you're up, you know, a lot, and you win by a lot, and that's just you know if you 
as you guys do, you, you follow NBA games. It's sometimes being up 20s is, is, is hard. And there's a lot of NBA games when teams are up early and they lose the game. So um, I thought, you know, in spite of the fact that they came back, um, like I said, they're a good team. They started making shots. Grant got going. Um, you know, J- Jackson had a really good game, you know, you know, making jumpers. So I, I think the thing that we have to understand is, you know, our offense can't hurt our defense. And I, I thought they got out in transition um, too much during that stretch. And we had some empty possessions and that's what you have to guard against. And I, I think for us, you know, when you get ahead, there's just a tendency to, to slow down a little bit. And, and we have to keep pushing the ball because that's who we are. All right, last question, Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Quinn, you've talked before about the importance of accuracy when passing, and you had a a lot of really impressive passes tonight from a lot of different guys. How valuable is it that you don't have to just rely on Donovan or Mike to be the facilitators on this team? You've got a lot of other guys that can make their targets. Yeah, it's it's important, you know, and I think, you know, Donovan and Mike also with their ability to create, um, you know, we a lot of times I don't want us to overpass. You know, I think there's times when, um, as you said, if we make an accurate pass, you know, we'll get a shot. And that's, you know, that 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 accuracy of the pass and throwing strikes, as we like to call it, um, is really, really important for our team, because if you have an open shot, we want to shoot against those closeouts and the pass allows us to do that. There's jazz coach Quinn Snyder after his team wins 117 to 105. Let's let you hear from some of the players. Let's start with Boyan Bogdanovich. All right, we'll get started with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Boyan. So obviously uh, the game got a little bit closer than you guys probably expected at the end there. Um, How did you feel on those last two three-pointers that you took? Did they feel good immediately to you? Did, Did you think they were going in right away? Uh, yeah, I saw them in actually. Even the even the last one that I that I missed. I mean, we we stopped to run last last fifteen minutes of the game, and uh, then we gave gave them a lot of a lot of easy easy offensive offensive boards and and a putback. But overall, I think that it's good performance from uh, from our side and and also important win after after that one that they lost in in Denver. Tony Jones, the athletic. Boyan, yeah, big picture for you guys. You um, you guys have a really, you know, competitive schedule in February. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, just seeing so many really good teams uh, over the span of this month, and and how do you guys approach it as a team? I think that is that is good for us to face all those great teams now in 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 February because we are in a, we are in great shape we are playing good basketball we are defending well so I think that is right time for us to to play to play all of them it's tough schedule we got a lot of a lot of great teams from uh, from east coming here and 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 we got a this road trip in front of us but like I say we are in great shape and it's it's good timing for us to to play all of them Sarah Todd does right news. Boyan, in the second quarter, there was a play where you passed the ball to Donovan like right underneath the basket, and it was a really tight pass. And it kind of looked like both of you were a little surprised that you actually got the pass off and that it worked out. Do you know the play that I'm talking about and kind of what was going on there? Uh, I forget. 
was the was the play actually, but uh, but overall we shared a pretty pretty well basketball in in the first half and the second half we kind of start to play more more one on one. We start to isolate some some people and 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 then try to attack them, but. Uh, that's how they get back in the game. So I think that that we should we should play we should play fast and and and, and run, especially when they play with two bigs. But I forget what's the play actually. Sorry. David James, KUTV. Bojan, you've been shooting the ball really well here the last three games. You had your struggles. What what's what's turned it around for you? I mean, not much. I think that my. My confidence is a little bit, a little bit better right now. I got a uh, got more shots, more threes. Last last couple of games, so there's no there's no big big change for me. I just have to be have to be ready and shooting, no matter no matter what percentage I'm shooting. That was Boyan Bogdanovich hit a couple threes late to ice it. Uh, you heard Boyan talk about how he's getting uh, a little more confidence shooting the basketball, and that uh, is nothing but good news certainly uh, for this Utah Jazz team. All right, let's now let you hear from Mike Conley. All right, we'll get started with Kristen Kenny Jazz TV. Hey, Mike, what did a game like this one show you down the stretch tonight? Um, you know, I think it, it's, it shows a little bit of growth in this in this area where we've we've had games where we've been up on teams and in, in the past and have, have let the lead slip. And then for whatever reason in the past, in the last minute and a half, we, we don't execute or, or do things defensively to win the game. And tonight, um, it showed our resiliency uh, from different guys. It wasn't just one guy doing it. Uh, Bogey, Bogey came in big, and you know with those last you know couple of buckets, and um, and Royce finishing the game with the dunk and stuff like that. Um, those are big plays made by you know everybody on the team. Tony Jones, the Athletic. Mike, you know just in relation to the schedule for you guys in February, do you guys? Look at this stre- this upcoming stretch as a as a chance to prove yourselves as a grant on a grander scale, or do you look at it differently? Well, I think um, for us, we've I think a, a thing that's helped our success so far is we've just taken taken it game by game. You know, we're not really worried about the schedule or how strong or weak or who our opponent is the next night back to backs. Uh, we're just going in on that night trying to play our basketball and trying to do what we do best. And, and if it's enough, we'll win, you know, we'll win these games against, against the good team. So um, as long as we go out and execute the way we know we can, and, um, you know, obviously we want to play well, we want to do well against the good teams, but, you know, just taking it one by one is, is, is the way to go. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey Mike, how do you kind of, balance you know the first three quarters where you played well and you led by as many as 28 against a fourth quarter where you know you isolate where transition kind of devolved into isolation how do you balance like kind of all of that against you know the end result of you coming away with you know a victory especially you know following the, the denver result the other night yeah um you know, in games like this, it's 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 tough. You know, I, I think it's you take for granted how hard it is to sustain leads in this league. You know, to be up twenty eight, you want to push it to forty and fifty, but it just doesn't happen. Um, these teams play with pride and and they play free. And um, and tonight, you know, we let them back in the game, and 
And, and, you know, as a result, I think we start to slow down. Um, we start to, you know, get into positions where we just want to, you know, take care of the ball. We want to ISO a little bit more. We want to just get, get to our spots. Um, so, I mean, there's times for that. Um, I think in, in games like this, when you have big leads, we have to continue to, to play fast, continue to move the ball, and continue to get stops like we were doing and not solely rely and, and kind of revert to um, getting the ball in Don's hands or my hands or anybody's hands just to, you know, create opportunities. David James, KUTV. You know, Mike, I think everybody anticipated that they were going to make a run at some point, but was there what point did you really get nervous about it, you know, in the teens or single digits? When, when did you really feel the urgency? I think when it, when it got to, uh, you know, the teens, when it was 10, 13 points, I think, you know, that's when games can swing really easily. And um, that's just a wide open miss three in the corner. They get the ball, go down and get three in the corner on their end. So, and that can <clears throat> swing the game immediately. So uh, I think we were all very urgent at that time and uh, try to be as locked in as possible to try to, you know, squeak this one out because we knew that they were, they were, you know, coming back at us pretty tough and, um, and, and hitting a lot of good shots. So uh, for us, we just wanted to execute at that point and, and we just really um, push that message out to everybody, just close the game out. Last question, follow up from Chris and Kenny. Uh, you mentioned Royce a little bit, Mike, but just what is he doing now this season? I mean, tonight looked at the double-double. It just seems he's more aggressive on both ends of the floor. Oh, man, he's just – he's opening up his game. I think he's uh, expanding it as he as he grows as a player um, within the system of the team. You know, he's, a, he's developed his outside shot to where – uh, teams have to close out hard on him, and and because of that, he's developed a, a a way to make plays. You know, driving the ball and throwing lobs and making plays um, for guys in the corners, and just all the energy plays, the offensive rebounds, um, and his defensive activity is what you know he's known for already. So he's just been you know kind of growing as a player right in front of our eyes, and um, he's a huge piece to why we are you know where we are right now. Mike Conley right there, 20 points for Mike, five assists, four rebounds in the win. He did it on 7 of 15 shooting. Let's wrap up uh, player sound now by hearing from Donovan Mitchell. Okay, we'll get started with Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Hey, Don, in the, you were a recipient of a couple of pretty incredible passes tonight. There was one in the second quarter where Boyan kind of threaded it to you on a cut under the basket, and it looked like both of you were a little surprised that it actually made it to you. And then there was also Favors sending that football pass to you out on the break. Um, one, do you remember either of those? And two, how valuable is it to have, you know, guys that are not you and Mike that can, you know, be that accurate on a target and kind of create I think the biggest thing, you know, is the willingness that we have as a team. That's where it first starts. And boy and I, boy and I are laughing because it's usually the other way around. You know, usually I'm finding him on the back cut. You know, I think that's what that was kind of funny. Um, but, you know, the willingness to pass, we have that as a whole, you know, one through 15. And I think that's what makes it special. That's what makes it fun. We enjoy making those passes to each other. And I think that's what makes this group special. Um, that's not always the case. You know, we're passing up shots to get a better shot. You know, there's shots we take that are good and we find a greater one or, you know, certain things like, like you said, uh, like, like, I, like that boy I won, like the fave one, but like, there's just a bunch of times where it's just like fun to make that pass. And I think that's, that's really rubbing off on, on everybody. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey Don. So 
at what point down the stretch did it start feeling like it was, you know, kind of a competitive game that the Pistons were legitimately back in it? And what kind of became most important for you guys to do at that point to, to kind of get the momentum turned around again? Um, I think, you know, we got, a, we got a little stagnant, you know, shots weren't falling. They were hitting, they were, they were making run, they make a run, you know, did the same thing last game. Uh, I think the biggest thing you, we noticed, that we got a little tired for a little bit and then we picked our energy back up. We got rebounds. Mike pushed the break, uh, hit Boyan for a shot. That really was, was a big moment for us, but just sticking with it, you know, they're, they're a talented team. They got talented guys and, you know, they made shots. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is being able to withstand that, you know, you're not always going to be up 20, 23 and then continue to, to go up, you know, 30, 40. It's not always going to be that. That way, teams are going to fight back. They have pride, you know, and they have guys who compete. Uh, so the biggest thing is being able to withstand that push, which they made a hell of a run, and we made a hell of a counter. David James, KUTV. Was there a little extra energy at the start of this game uh, just based on coming off of Denver because that was a really dominant start? Yeah, you know, I think it was just a statement. You know, I think the biggest thing is we weren't, hanging our head too much after Denver. You know, there's stuff we definitely could have improved on and definitely stuff we could have done better. But, you know, they shot the lights out one and two, you know, I think JC said it. So like, we're not, we didn't expect to go 68 and four, you know, we would, we would love to go out there and, you know, the second half comeback was really something that we took into this game. I think the effort, the energy, that's what we have to play with all, at all times, you know, otherwise teams are going to come out, you know, shooting 15 and 17 from three or, or whatever, maybe feeling comfortable. Um, so for us, just going out there and just doing what we do from the jump. I think that was the biggest thing. And, you know, it was great to go out there and do that tonight. Last question, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Donovan, transition is so important for you guys. And, you know, when you guys kind of lose that for a second, then you were able to find it again late. How do you kind of flip that switch and, and kind of how can you keep it on for more of the game maybe next time? I think you said transition, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is it's, it's, it's a lot, you know, to be able to run like the way we do, you know, we got old guys on the team. I make fun of them all the time. We got Mike, we got Joe, but you know, it's, it's a lot. And it's a credit to everybody on the team, the willingness to run, which creates not only the passing lanes, but you know, the, the driving lanes, the stuff, the way, reason we get our threes, you know, and there are times where, you know, you get tired, <laughs> like, you know, you're running all the way. And then if we miss, we got to run back on defense and run again. Like it, it gets tiring after a while, but the persistence behind it, finding it late, you know, led by Mike, you know, finding boy on the corner, uh, Royce with a go and catch, uh, find a boy on again in the corner. Like those, those are the energy plays. Those are the ones that are going to take us over this, over that, you know, that hump that we were, that fog we were kind of in. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, just continuing to do it. And I think that's what we have on the team guys who are really persistent on, on making that extra run, running all the way to the corner. That way there's, there's, there's space to attack. Rudy, the bigs running, running down, being able to get into the paint, creating the, we're drawing the defense in to be able to find those threes. I think that's where we realize that's our bread and butter. And we just got to continue to do that. But, you know, it is a lot. You know, there are going to be times where there going to be stretches where we're tired. It's, it's, it's natural. It happens. But uh, as my college coach always used to say, like, when we're tired, they're exhausted. You know what I mean? And I think that's that's kind of what's been in our head and just continuing to push um, push through. Real quick, do you, do you feel that more at, like, the end of a five-game and eight-game, eight-day stretch like you just had? Uh I wouldn't say that, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I think it's, it's mental, you know, I mean, it, there's, there's going to be times where it's natural. It's, it's evident and it's, it's, it's going to happen. Um, but I think, 
I wouldn't say we felt that because of the stretch we were, the stretch we had. I think it was just one of those things where we were doing it such a good job of it, you know, and they made a push and we didn't really make shots. And then it's just certain things that are just going to happen, but it's how you respond after that. That's really what's the test of a really good team. And we're making that push to be that. we got to continue to do that, not just tonight, uh, but we got a tough stretch coming up too. we got to be ready for that. There's Donovan Mitchell. If, uh, if folks thought he struggled against Denver, which he did a little bit, of course, certainly had a bounce back game against Detroit. He was great. 32 points, 10 of 17 shooting, 4 of 7 from 3, 8 of 11 from the line. you got to love seeing Donovan get to the line 11 times. Added 6 rebounds and uh, an assist. The Jazz now have a night off as they travel. Their next game will be on Thursday night. They'll take on the Atlanta Hawks. That game will tip off at 5.30. Pre-game begins at 4.30. There is the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, everything else that happened in the uh, NBA. Some guys really shot the ball well. A 54-point game. That will get your attention. We'll get to that coming up. Stay with us.